This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hey everyone, welcome to O Ship. This week, I've got my friend and colleague, Frizana Nasser, joining us. Frizana has a really, really cool career. She has been uh, the former global president and current board member of a group called Embolden. Some of you may know them as a group called Women in Wireless. She was the founder and CEO of Visionara. She is the founder and chief strategy officer at Gallup. She was even a brand manager at General Mills at one point. But today, she's a partner at Camillion Collective, who specialized in doing uh, interim VP work, both across uh, e-commerce and also growth marketing, and frankly, her fair share of business transformation. Frazana, one of the things I really love about her is she just has this really great pulse on um, what's going on in the market. And as a serial entrepreneur, but also someone who's been very successful in the corporate space, I think she's got a really great mind uh, for navigating, let's call it challenging situations. And when you look at the world that we're living in today, I'd say we've got our fair share of challenging situations. All of us are a bit nervous about all the things that we're reading in the news when, when it comes to the economy. Uh, and frankly, lots of different aspects of uh, the world and the tensions we're feeling out there. And I know you're thinking about it, and certainly Frazana and I have been thinking about it. So today's episode is all about basically navigating the downturns that you might see in any kind of business environment, or to double down on our love of puns here at our ship, how to avoid a sinking ship. Now, some of you may know uh, at OSHIP, we like to talk to different leaders and ask them about moments they've had in their careers that were particularly challenging, uh, that uh, maybe were not the best moments in their career, but they have frequently maybe shaped them as a leader or given them some kind of insight into being a, a better leader moving forward. And some of those moments were maybe not so funny at the time, but they can be kind of funny later. And we like to call those oh shit moments. But in today's episode, uh, instead of very specifically asking Frazana about her oh ship moment, this episode almost feels like it's going to be one giant series of oh ship moments. So I, 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 we're going to get into everything from you know discussing how uh, the impacts or post-pandemic impacts to e-commerce, how the you know, physical retail world is bouncing back and how businesses are reacting to the kind of work, how you know, people are dealing with rising advertising costs. And just frankly, learning how entrepreneurs and leaders are, are prepping and, you know, at, at these kind of prepping this challenging business environment that we're going into. So with that, I welcome you to another week of OSHIP. Rosanna, welcome to a ship. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me, Freddie. So uh, good. You know, you and I get a chance to talk all the time. Uh, so I'm I'm thankful for that. But this is the first time we've had a you know, time we've had a chance to kind of geek out with other people. So <laughs> I think it's a, a, a nice mix up uh, for you and I. You know, I, I tried to do you justice with a lot of the really cool things you've been doing in your in your career. Uh, it always, always I like to believe a good hype man for you, but the reality is. You know, I, I'll never do justice to um, you know some of the more details that are there, and I know you pretty well. But I'd love for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. 
So could, could you talk a little bit more about the, the kinds of businesses you've led through your career and, and, and what types of roles you've been you know, in them? Absolutely. Yeah, I was fortunate enough early in my career to be a brand manager on iconic household brands like Betty Crocker and Cheerios at General Mills. I'm really lucky to be part of a CPG company where marketing was general management more so than just marketing. So, you know, I had the opportunity to manage a PL and drive profitability and be accountable for that, not just revenue, but profitability. Um, work on developing new products, overseeing marketing strategy and execution. So really great kind of foundational stepping stone to everything that I've done thereafter. Another opportunity that has been incredibly meaningful in my career was founding a venture-backed marketing technology company and going through that whole process of, you know, building something from nothing. We essentially used behavioral data to develop predictive audience recommendations. We were a Facebook marketing partner. We won the Facebook Innovation Award. I've gone through the fundraising process, um, built teams. Really great experience overall there. Had fantastic clients like the New York Times and AccuWeather. And then in addition to that, as you mentioned, I led a global nonprofit organization. Supporting women is a huge passion point for me, especially in the workforce. And leading a nonprofit organization for women in digital was an incredible experience. We had, it was a global organization. We had over 200 volunteers that we oversaw and over 10,000 members. And so um, that was a a really great experience as well. And, And now I'm leading growth marketing for e-commerce businesses. So it's kind of like a a nice sort of trajectory from everything I've done and bits and pieces of that into what I'm doing now, which I love. Uh, Yeah, I I don't want to, you know, kind of uh, date date or age either of us, but we've been doing this for for a while. How many major kind of downturns, I think at a macro level, have you navigated? I assume you went through the 2008, 2009 stuff. Yes. Uh, you know, what, what are the what are the kind of big, big, crazy, crazy ones have you had to deal with? Obviously, pandemic. Any, any, I guess, any other? Uh, were, you, were you running a businesses in in the two thousands, or did you manage to avoid the fun of that one? I managed to just avoid the fun of that one when the the dot com <laughs> bubble burst. Um, yeah. I was still in school at the time, so just missed that one by like so a you've, couple. So you've, years been, you got, you've been through two doozies, though. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I can't believe that, like when we talk about the two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the Great Recession that people refer to, that was. 14 years ago. Like as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, I couldn't believe that like it's been that long, but it feels like yesterday because I remember it really well. Were you were you running one of your own businesses during that one or were you or were you inside another company? So I was at General Mills during that yeah. time. Yeah. And you know, fortunately there, that's a, like a, a food is a consumer staple. So a little bit more recession proof than most yeah. brands. But, you know, we were getting hit really hard by private label. And so that was really the the threat, you know, at at the time, like normally during a recession, people cook more at home, they go out a little bit less. So that's really favorable. We did see that where people shop changed pretty dramatically. So discount stores like Walmart and Costco Mm -hmm. seemed to be much more prominent during that time. And so thinking about how we position our brands. And how we position ourselves to set us up to provide value to consumers 
during that time was was really kind of a core part of what we were thinking about overall and thinking about our product mix and how we offer, you know, special products to certain retailers depending on their offerings. And so, you know, that was a really interesting time for me and, and quite memorable as we think through how to appeal to consumer sentiment during that time and, and how to still remain relevant. And then on a personal note, close to the end of that recession, I actually did a pretty gutsy thing and quit my job. So, <laughs> you know, I think, did you, and you, is that when you started your, was that you started you quit it and then started a business? Well, when I quit, so, it, you know, a lot of the sentiment around recessions is like hunker down, hold on tight, don't leave. You know, people tend to be more risk averse during recessions. And I feel like my personality is to be, to take more risks. because I think that there's just so much opportunity to be had during times like that. You know, like it's, it's the right time to, like, I'm not a financial advisor by any means, but, you know, a lot of people think it's the right time to invest in the stock market during a downturn, right? Like there's value there. I quit my job, that, which was very stable. I'd been promoted, you know, had a, a wonderful job at the time and, you know, compensation was great and, you know, I could have stayed, but I did, I quit my job. I moved to New York City without a job um, during a really scary time. We lived in the East Village. I remember still like all of the stores being boarded, boarded up, like retail was desecrated at that time. And I remember Circuit City near Union Square closing down and the boards around that entire store, like a massive piece of real estate Crazy at that time. But, you know, I, I saw an opportunity. The world was changing so much at that time. And so when you think about the Great Recession, like what was happening then, Facebook was becoming mainstream. Everybody was on it at that point. The app store launched during that time. And then like all of these great companies came out of that. And so- Great, great I, disruption. There's a, they say opportunity and chaos, I think is the, the classic saying. Completely. And, you know, I decided actually to go back to school during that time and get my master's degree at NYU in digital marketing because I felt like the world was changing and I was already feeling like we were behind. We were so reliant on agencies to understand what was happening. And I wanted to be at the forefront of that change. And that was really my segue into performance marketing and, and direct response and really being on top of technology and understanding what was happening. I wanted to be at the forefront of that. And like that really started my trajectory as a, uh, my career as a performance marketer. And that's why I love to talk about the dichotomy between brand and performance marketing, because I spent half my career on both sides of it. And, and I'm really interested in kind of that this, this segmentation between those two and that overlap is quite interesting to me. And, you know, as we talked about, recessions are an incredible time to upskill and to learn and to embrace new things. And my master's degree thesis, actually, during my digital marketing program ended up being the business plan for the startup that I eventually ended up founding awesome. after school. So... A lot of people don't have the courage to take the theory and put it into practice. So, so hats off to you. You know, everyone knows who, who watches our ship. I'm extremely passionate about entrepreneurs. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a very close knit community of crazy people <laughs> willing to throw themselves in the fire for something they're passionate about. So, awesome. uh, yeah, I can already appreciate that. Where were you, Freddie, during the Great Recession? I know everybody uh, I, has. Know, I was very lucky. I I had been, um, you know, I'm diehard, you know, digital guy for most of my career, and I feel like when when the uh, the, the ship hit the fan, uh, so to speak, and uh, you know, um, people were pu pulling all their money into you know uh, back into their kind of safe space, 
but they were still kept pumping money into digital. And so I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Um, in fact, people doubled down on it. So, you know, I was, again, extremely fortunate when I feel like a lot of people were really hurting. Um, you know, I'm still experiencing a, a growth phase and, you know, I've been able to ride that, that growth phase for most of my career uh, because I think people continually invest in, in digital because that, that's only been an uptick to the right for a long time until really recently, which is something that I think we, you know, we're definitely, definitely going to um, uh, address today. So I'd love to start at the high level before really deep diving in deep into an area of passion that you and I are both really passionate about. Just at a high level, what are some of the big things, the big lessons you've learned both now as an executive in a, in a major company and as a founder, if you were to tell people, how do you prep for navigating a, a downturn in the market? Yeah, I think the key thing is to be informed. And luckily, I feel like this current climate is probably the most anticipated recession in history. And so everyone seems to be looking at the key indicators um, and, and being more informed on what's happening. And I think that's important because if you know what the situation is, you're able to navigate it much more clearly. And so, you know, we're seeing interesting, you know, tickers like consumer sentiment at an all-time low, decade low. We're also seeing that there's been two quarters of GDP declines which is generally an indication of a recession. But nobody has declared it that way as yet. There's kind of differing sentiment. Are we in a recession right now? Are we moving into a recession? There's a lot of debate around that currently. Inflation's at an all-time high, you know, 40-year high. We have 9% inflation. It's unbelievable. The stock market has been all over the place. So Mm. generally, inflation hits, you know, lower mid-income, much more hard than like higher income, but we're seeing that even people in the top 1% are getting impacted because the stock market is all over the place. And between you and I, I haven't looked at my cryptocurrency portfolio in six months because I just don't I want stopped, to I stopped everything and it was too upsetting yeah. <laughs> to escape yeah. up. <laughs> but then there's positives as well. Like, you know, employ- unemployment is really low. And so currently, like, you know, it, the labor market is still tight compensation is still going up. And and that shows kind of positive signs that we might avoid a very deep or prolonged recession, like the Great Recession that we saw nearly 14 years ago. So I know we pulled up a couple bits of data. I thought this was really interesting was the split across uh, Americans. You you, you kind of sent over. Do you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I think because it's interesting, like, you know, like we talked about, Freddie, like you and I have seen a couple recessions now. And and older mm-hmm. Americans, no surprise, are more pessimistic because they've seen this rodeo before, right? We've, mm-hmm. we've gone through it. We know what happens. Um, and so there is pessimism there. To me, this is even a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, because consumer sentiment is low and because there is pessimism, is that going to create more of a recession than if people were a little bit more optimistic overall? But it's definitely impacting older Americans, which is also interesting because that's for that, the higher income. Americans generally are as well. They tend to skew older. You know, one of the things I think is really challenging about where we're at right now. I, you know, I'm a diehard, diehard news consumer, and I think so. I couldn't agree with you more on being informed. Um, it's my, it's my guilty pleasure slash addiction. I read an insane amount of of news, and I read a, across the whole kind of spectrum of news sites because I find that. The only way to kind of get to uh, some form of reality is is to kind of consume lots of data from lots of different pieces and then make your own decisions about what you pull together. And 
one of the things I think is really fascinating about America today in particular, and, and I don't want to make this any form of a political conversation, but I, I feel like the content that you see on television news, which I think it might be more around what older Americans are consuming versus, let's say, online news, I think is slanted a certain way. And it's, it, you can't help but wonder how much of that is impacting uh, consumer sentiment today. Um, you know, it like, you know, the, is it being driven by just the, the media consumptions of people? And I think it's, you know, it, it's like the, what do they say when you're trying to be like positive, like, hey, think positive and it will happen. But I think when, when we all collectively as a society start to think negatively, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's manifestation, manifestation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, you know, I think the, the, we got to watch it because it, it happens. You think it and it happens. People, you know, that sheer paranoia of going, I think it's going to go wrong. I'm going to protect myself. So you mm-hmm. start going to turtle mode and, and stop spending. And when people stop spending, the, 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 whole, the whole business you know, starts to go wrong. And some shocking things have happened that have made people be afraid, I think. Like e-commerce decline for the first time in a very long time in April. So that was scary, I think, for people. And then I don't know if there's been layoffs as well. Kind of what I alluded to earlier, it's like, you know, you feel like you've been on, for me, I was thinking about, I started doing internet marketing in in 1996, and it's like I had been on a 20-plus year run. And you're like, you you just assume that it only goes one direction. And I think that was kind of shocking to a lot of, you know, shocking a lot of people, especially in the industry, now, you can't help but wonder if you look at this chart, though, where there's that course correction there, but it's only after this, like, totally insane, you know, uptick that goes damn near vertical, <laughs> you know, at, at, one, at one point there. Exactly. Yeah, this is actually a, a chart that the CEO of Shopify put in his layoff memo to his employees. They laid off 10% of their workforce over the last couple of weeks. And a lot of companies, especially in e-commerce, bet big on the pandemic accelerating e-commerce growth and accelerating it to the point of where it would be in like five or 10 years mm-hmm. over just the next, like over the, a couple years over the pandemic. And so e-commerce is still growing though. So I, I don't think it's a, uh, you know, everyone kind of run for the hills. It's over. We're done for. It went up God knows how many percent in a span of six months. So I, I, you know, a, a small reduction there. I don't think it's the end of the world, but but can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing there? So obviously we're both in, in the field, you know, people are course correcting. So what, what are people doing and what, and what should they be doing if they're anywhere in some kind of e-commerce business right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing layoffs. So people are course correcting and trying to reduce their fixed costs. Hmm. I'm also seeing, you know, companies thinking about reforecasting their expectations for the year as well. Um, Supply chain challenges seem to be improving. So I think that's definitely positive. It's been a pretty rough couple years for e-commerce marketers. Like we have with the pandemic, everybody was like trying to figure out what was going on, you know, and and now we know like consumers actually do like to shop in stores. (laughs) So, you know, we've seen an uptick in physical retail. And then, you know, the last year has been about comping to the pandemic and how to comp to that. So yeah, you can see the return of physical retail. And then, and then copying to the pandemic has been challenging and now looking at a recession. So another, you know, interesting challenge. And, you know, as you think about all of this change, it's probably more change in the last three years than we've seen in the last 10 before that. So being able to navigate that change and being adaptable and flexible to that, I think is really critical, especially like given all of the change that we've seen overall, you know, even Amazon is reporting e-commerce decline. So 
you know, we've definitely seen an impact um, and, and a course correction that's happening. And, and, and now we need to start looking at how we can best serve the customer and where the opportunities are to optimize beyond that. You know, some of the things that I think that e-commerce teams are looking at and can start to look at if they haven't already is how to think through, really kind of laser in and focus on where they can optimize. And so in, in, in a challenging situation or in a, in, a, in a time when you have to really think about profitability as well as revenue, how do you mitigate the impact of revenue? There's a lot of ways to do that. And one of them is thinking about the, the purchase journey and really laser focusing and being thoughtful on every step of that journey and how to fine tune and optimize that. So a lot of it is, you know, just going back to basics. How do you reduce your reliance on ad spend? Like, you know, we have a, a chart in there on how, how rapidly advertising spend has gone up and how expensive it's gotten. So how do you reduce your reliance on that? Like thinking about things like SEO and um, looking at content, looking at, you know, what you're doing from an owned perspective, thinking through, you know, h- how, you, how you think about your brand and your positioning overall, looking at your landing pages. You know, it's truly back to basics. We're talking about with the brands that I work on, like our product mix. What's a, what's a, what's a good entry level product for a new customer in a recession? How do you speak to consumers in a way that recognizes the current state of the economy and the current situation? What type of messaging would resonate with them during a time like this? It's real quick. What do you what do you think is driving the advertising costs up so high? It's really supply and demand. You know, I, I think that during the pandemic, people pulled back substantially on their advertising spend, especially mm-hmm. like bigger categories like entertainment and travel. Mm-hmm. And that pullback helped alleviate some of the pressure that marketers generally feel on advertising costs. They're always going to go up. But Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I think, deflated them more than we would have typically have seen in a normal year. And they're they're continuing to go up because money is continuing to be invested into these platforms. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a a big piece of this is what's going to happen over the next six months. You know, a silver lining could be that, you know, as companies pull back, they reforecast and they and they think about what their expectations are for the year, they might start pulling back on media spend. Mm-hmm. And that could actually help with this insane trajectory of like double digit mm-hmm. rise in CPCs and CPMs across platforms. Mm-hmm. I actually am fortunate enough to be um, an analyst on a Commerce Next benchmarking study that we recently did earlier this year. And the two things that came up with that study as far as challenges that e-commerce marketers are facing. And the study was done earlier this year, but the two things that came up were rising advertising costs. People are the most concerned about that. And then talent and a, and a shortage of, of talent. Which and, also and, have incredible rising costs worth noting. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, the silver lining could be, there could be a, a pullback on ad spend, which could lower costs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into recessionary times, that might actually create, you know, less of an impact on the labor market. There might be more talent available during a time like that. So there's, there's opportunities there, I think, for companies to potentially capitalize on. So one of the things we, we, I think we're addressing and being open about is there is because of so many changes in consumer behavior, variables that are out in the market that are impacting decision-making, a lot of that being cost-driven uh, just availability of talent and resources and, and you know, just 
all these driving factors that basically shape the business. And I think we're both acknowledging that it's, it's hard to plan right now, but people are still having to make decisions. So you can't go into analysis paralysis either. Right. So what kind of recommendations, you know, at, at, at least at a broad level, would you kind of try and rate, make for people in preparation for, you know, a potential downturn in the market? Obviously, it can't be specific to any business, but not to a, a client. But is there any kind of broad generalizations that you'd recommend for folks right now? Yeah. You know, what we know about recessions that consumers tend to spend on brands that they know and trust. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge opportunity there, I think, from a retention perspective and getting consumers to continue to be engaged with your brand. We also know that during recessionary times that that people are much more hesitant to switch. And so that loyalty piece is really critical. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like brands... Do you see that are, as an opportunity out of interest or, or more like a defensive position? I think it's an opportunity. You know, if, if, if people are less willing to shop around competitively... Because, mm-hmm. and, and, and bet on something that they don't know, mm-hmm. then I think there's a huge opportunity when you think about like customer lifetime value mm-hmm. and really growing that overall. And, and, and that, if you can raise customer lifetime value and if you can get customers to come back and, and be loyal, then mm-hmm. you, can mit- you can mitigate the, the rising CAC. So as advertising costs go up, if you're raising your mm-hmm. LTV, you're still in a profitable situation. And so I think there's lots of opportunity there. And then, you know, when you look at conversion rates, like if you have a 5% conversion rate, there's 95% of opportunity there for you to fine tune the purchase mm-hmm. journey. So I think that's also another really great opportunity. I think times like this are good times to get back to basics and really get back to the fundamentals of the business to drive profitability overall and mitigate any impact to revenue. I think that's really great advice. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, if you're going to talk to clients about or businesses on helping to manage is I talk about this concept of uh, nail the basics. And and I think you know in in times and periods of great growth when there's excess budgets and things that people are just trying to grab as much market share as you can, people start exploring new channels. They don't optimize the existing channels that they have for acquiring customers. Because they're like, grow, 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 we're making tons of money, loads of profits coming in, and they're just trying to do this. But the reality is after periods of that, which we just went through, all those little fingers, those channels that they had going up, a lot of times they weren't executed very well. They, they sacrificed uh, uh, quality uh, and competence for speed. And now it's like going back and, and really executing those in a flawless way is important. One of the biggest things we're, we're seeing um, in many of the conversations I have with the uh, investors and the investor community that I tend to engage with is, is really nailing customer relationship management, you know, and it's like, you know, it's expensive to acquire. It's also very expensive to lose customers. And so, you know, when people are, are really optimizing that retention, that loyalty, or even um, more so than that, it, so I'm seeing is a lot of like re-engagement, like, you know, there's people that loved you once, it, you know, it's not a uh, from five years ago, but maybe six months ago or a year ago, and how do you how do you get them back in 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 love uh, yeah. with your brand, your products, or your services? I think could actually be a lot less expensive than trying to introduce yourself to someone new and make them fall in love. Um, Absolutely, so, Absolutely. Um, I think a big mistake that sometimes companies make during times like this is they pull back on brand spend and they only spend at bottom of the funnel, and then you're hitting the same people over and over again. But I think that the brand equity becomes really important at a time like this because people need to be able to trust. Yeah, big time. 
So, so what, I went before I, I read another territory that I wanted to move into in a minute, but before we do that, is there any other big areas that you feel that I didn't address, uh, you know, kind of uh, thinking about, you know, this kind of general subject that you'd, you'd like to touch on, or if anyone in the audience has a question that's related to this kind of general territory, um, you know, if you feel free to chime in and, and I can address it. I just, I, wanna, I know there's a lot to unpack here and I know you had a, a lot of opinions. So I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I think we covered it on Maya. And I, I, like, I think the key takeaway on this is like never let a good crisis go to waste. Like it's really an opportunity to laser focus on the key things that are important to your business. And then, you know, we think about like as we were talking about the Great Recession years ago, like all of the companies that came out of that recession, like Airbnb was founded, Uber, Square, mm. Venmo, like there was so much innovation that happened during that time. And, you know, we're at another kind of tipping point as far as, when we think about the environment that we're in, you know, Web3 and the metaverse and everything that comes along with that, you know, NFTs, I think there's another really interesting sort of catalyst during this time, similar to the recession 14 years ago when the App Store launched that are really interesting opportunities for companies to start thinking about to stay relevant. Yeah, it's a, I think we have a positive spin. If you are someone that has been negatively impacted by where we're at right now and you somehow find yourself on the other end of a, a layoff and, and, you know, you're out there hunting for a new job, you know, take that, take that time around that, uh, you know, job hunting to potentially also explore changes in careers, education, double down on some of the new disruptive technologies out there because you may be able to play that to your advantage. So, you know, um, you know, take advantage of these down moments. I think that's great. So, so I want to, Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I guess, how to address challenges, whether you're you know, kind of dividing into two swim lanes, right? So what I think is so interesting about your career, you've been a founder, you've been uh, an entrepreneur, you've been, you've also been an employee within other organizations. So I feel like, uh, you know, we've got two different potential audiences of people that are listening to OSHIP today. You've got these kind of entrepreneurs and executives who are leaders who may be kind of running a business on some level, whether they're founder or within a corporate environment. And they're thinking about certain things when they, when they, when they're trying to navigate a downturn. And you've been another set of people that, or maybe the employees, maybe they're either kind of a subject matter expert and a contributor to some business. They could potentially be a freelancer an independent consultant, something like that. Um, What's what's the difference between you know kind of uh, at, at a high level navigating a downturn when you're with that group versus the other group in your in your personal experiences? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, at, and and Freddie, you know this, having gone through this so many times. But as a founder, the the amount of pressure that you have is like different than ever being an employee or, or part mm-hmm. of the team, and so you're definitely under a lot more pressure, and you have a lot more accountability. And I think that as a leader. The, the main kind of importance when you think about a, like being a founder in a downturn, the most important element is communication. Because of mm-hmm. that accountability, you need your team to be on the same boat with you. Mm-hmm. And you need to be kind of setting the course and navigating those waters and, and having everyone come along. And so mm-hmm. communicating during those times and, and really focusing the team is so important you know, as an employee, it, it, it's really about finding the places to chip in. Like, you know, if you're, if, if everyone's at war, it's like, how can I help? How, like, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we have, if we have clear direction, we know the course that we need to take, 
what can I do as an employee to, to help accelerate that? So finding opportunities for to, to kind of take up that and really jump in and, and be part of the team is, is really, really critical. So it's, it's, it's a very different perspective. I think also as an employee, there, there needs to be a little bit of faith as well. So you, you have to have trust in your leadership. And if right. they're communicating, then, you know, you, you don't want to be the one who's like paralyzed in fear. You know, mm-hmm. like I think the most important thing during challenging times is to keep moving. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a really famous quote. I think it was Albert Einstein that said something like the most important thing, like, is to keep moving forward. Like, you know, you're, you, if you don't keep moving forward, you're going to fall off your bike. And so mm-hmm. I, I tell my six year old daughter that all the time now. I'm like, just keep pedaling. Just keep going. Keep pedaling. <laughs> <laughs> Sound advice. Nail the basics and keep pedaling. I love that. Yeah, I, I want to lead in on this, this uh, divide what you just said into kind of two, two conversations. So first off, I think the, the advice on communication is, is really key. It, it's um, people uh, fail to acknowledge sometimes uh, when they start getting in a, in a very challenging business situation, it's easy to get focused on the numbers. It's easy to, you know, you're looking at spreadsheets, you're getting pressure from your, your boss or just feeling it from the general business if you're an entrepreneur you get very worried about the money and it's, and, and there's a part of that that can be very robotic and you need to remind yourself that you've got this whole team of people that whether, even if you're not their direct boss might look at you as a leader and they look at you as a point of stability. And, and there's no other way to say it. People get scared. You know, they, they're consuming this media. We talked about this consumer sentiment earlier and people feeling pessimistic you know, that's not just feeling pessimistic about uh, do you want to have enough money to buy a big screen TV at you know, Christmas this year? It's like, you know, or so, you know, something that's more frivolous like that. They're going, you know, am I going to have a job? Am I, you know, am I going to be part of these layoffs? I keep reading about this kind of stuff. What's going to happen? You know, what happens if that happens? That people can really spin out. I, I love this uh, concept. I, I you know, talk about it quite a lot about like, over communicating. And I think there is an appropriate time to over communicate. And what does it mean by over communicating? I don't mean incessantly rambling and I don't mean, uh, you know, holding 50,000 meetings a day, but just being really clear and concise about updating people with positive information that is reaffirming, but also acknowledging negative information with a solution or at a minimum, acknowledging it and saying, we're working on it. People want to know that you're not ignoring it because then they, they go, you know, you have this moment where you're like, is anyone even driving this bus? That's when people freak out, you know, yeah. they, they, they freak out when that happens. Yeah. I think people want to know that someone else is worrying about it. Like I, you know, if someone else is worrying about it, I think that takes pressure off. Big time, big time. And so I think people need to feel that. And you got to remember that, you know, sometimes people that have been uh, worked through their careers to become leaders in, in whatever capacity, like, you know, they're battle hearted. They, they were selected as leaders for a reason. A lot of that thing with leaders is they can take on some additional stress that, you know, and not panic under, under pressure. And other people need to be able to tap into you as, as a, as a energy source to kind of help them navigate this. And at the same time, the thing you mentioned, I think, on the on the employee side or the con- individual contributor side, I thought was really cool. It's not not where my brain would have instantly gone. Is is around pausing and going, I can help. 
you know what, you don't have to be the SVP of this or the VP of that or the founder or the CEO to know that every single person within the organization can help in some level. So if you're feeling stressed and you've got this anxiety that is weighing you down, you know, and you're worried about it, well, just know that if you and everyone else you're working with just did a little bit each, it does make a difference. Yeah. You know, they talk about job security is like being like, you know, be valuable, provide value to the company. And that feels very clinical and very robotic to me. And, 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 and it sounds very much like, uh, uh, I don't know. It just, it's not, it didn't, it didn't necessarily make you, it's not inspiring to say, make sure you provide value. Right. But if you really care about your job and you actually want to stay there, mm-hmm. just think about it. It's like you're all helping to make sure this thing you actually enjoy works and succeeds it's not on just the burden of the upper management to make sure that works. Everyone's got to do their part. Absolutely. And the company's success is your success. So, you know, yeah. everyone shares in that. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's, it's, uh, it's really a great advice. Something I've been saying a lot lately is like, especially like during times of uncertainty, something I've been saying a lot lately is focus on the stuff you can control. Because, you know, 60% of what's going on, you can't control. But if you're focused on what you can do about that 30 or 40% that you do have control over, that I think gives people a little bit more momentum to actually be able to do something. What, what, what about the independent freelancers out there? Obviously, a subject you and I are really passionate about. So, you know, whether you know, if, you're, if you're truly out there, you're a tr- true independent consultant, like, you know, what, what, what do you think is going to happen to people in that line of work in, in a downturn? You know, I think really similar to employees, it's like, think about where you can contribute, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we know what the situation is. What can you do to help? Like that 30% that is still in our control, how can you help in that way? You know, what Mm -hmm. can you do to improve the situation, help mitigate issues and challenges? I think that's going to be really important to create value in a time Mm -hmm. like this. And then from a, you know an independent consultant perspective, you know, you diversifying your own portfolio is really key, right? Like when you think about the industries and the verticals you work with and the type of work you do and the number of clients you have, like being able to diversify that so that you're protecting yourself, I think is really important. To the bit bit of advice I would give uh, for anyone, uh, you know, watching this is, uh, or listening to this is um, fine tune uh, basically your, your value proposition personally. I think, you know, sometimes when, when people get, uh, maybe they, they, especially they're an independent consultant, maybe they lose a client, they've got some extra capacity. And I, I want you to follow Frazana's advice, keep peddling. And, and I think, you know, instead of kind of taking in that moment and going, oh, I'm open and, and watching Netflix and, and stewing and freaking out, take that downtime and reinvest in yourself. Uh, you know, earlier we said, you know, hey, use that to find new disruptive uh, you know, technologies or opportunities or career exploration, or, you know, reinvested in making sure that, you know, people really understand what you do. And, you know, have you got case studies of your work? If you haven't done that, take, you've got some extra time, do that. Think about, you know, reinvest in the things that are going to help you kind of sell yourself better because there may be slightly less work out there, but there'll be the same number of people trying to basically win that work. So you almost have to prepare for a little bit of war. Um, and I think, um, you know, this kind of concept of, of prepping for war is maybe another theme that you know, people need to come out, uh, come out of this with is that, you know, you don't, you don't stand still, 
you don't you don't panic you don't uh especially if you know if you're a leader you and, and you you prep uh to make sure that you can you can win in a competitive environment you've got the resources if you're a leader in a corporate environment and you you know you've got talent on hand and for some reason maybe they're feeling less productive because of some kind of lack of utilization for whatever reason turn that energy in, inwards make it productive and prepare for war yeah and the two things that i would add to that are one like be a lifelong student like be curious yeah. keep learning this mm. is a good opportunity to upskill learn new things, ask a lot of questions. You know, education is not just formal. It can be informal. I think also community is so important at times like this. So, you know, speaking to peers in your industry, really critical. Finding different support systems through this process. You know, I'm part of an executive women's network called Chief, and that has been so valuable for me through the pandemic. There's also, you know, e-commerce communities that you can be part of. Um, I even started a, a mom boss Slack chat in our Chameleon Collective awesome. chat where all the moms kind of commiserate during the pandemic on what we we're going to do with our kids. So um, there's community, I think, is, is are the types of things that get you through it, you know. And then, and then lastly, like tenacity, like, you know, it, it's not going to be easy. Like change is a part of life, but sticking with it, pushing through you know, from a marketer's perspective, we're always testing. A marketer's work is never done. I think that goes for anything. Like if you're a consultant or whatever line of work that you're doing, there's always opportunities to evolve, to grow, to keep trying new things and to keep pushing forward. Like just stick with it and, and have that hustle. You know, we talk a lot about being an entrepreneur and what's that, that, what, the, what that's like. And I think that the hustle around that and getting scrappy and and thinking outside of the box are key skills, especially during challenging times that you need to sort of flex that muscle. Like don't get complacent, stay relevant. You, you said a moment ago, you touched on the community and frankly, a lot of it sounds like mental health, I think is, is really important. Okay. And, and, uh, and we've certainly seen some very sad stories over the last couple of years of how people have been dealing with you know, the downturn we've been experiencing already even if the economy has been strong in, in, in many regards. What, how do you deal with stress out of interest, just personally, if you don't mind me get, getting real you know, on a personal level, but just taking all the macro stuff out of it, just, you know, for Donna, how do you deal with stress? What's your sure. process? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that when we talk about dealing with stress, we just went through a global pandemic. I think everyone has their story on on what their experience was during that. And it wasn't easy for, for anyone. I, what I try to do, like in general, is you know I think during times that are that, that are stressful situations, you need to get creative, and the only way to get creative is to pull yourself out of the situation. Like find a way mentally to step out of the problem, so you're looking at it from the outside in, so that you can really get into defining what is the problem and how can I solve it. You know, I, I get some of my best ideas in the shower. Or when I wake up in the morning, like I, I'm dreaming about it overnight. Mm -hmm. And so finding those kind of outlets for like taking care of yourself and stepping out of the situation. Like a lot of people think that there's a problem, you need to focus on it and just look at it all day, every day. And, 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 if, and if you don't step away from it, it's really hard to get that perspective. And so I feel like, you know, doing the opposite, like stepping out of the situation helps me to look into it in a more objective way overall. And then, you know, as I mentioned, community is, is huge for that as well. I think that nobody wants to feel like they're in a situation alone and 
being able to speak with others and, you know, getting ideas from other people and being able to have kind of a think tank is such a nice way to, to build community and also bounce ideas off people. And so, you know, finding that and people talk about your board of directors or your mentor, but you know, it can even just be your peers. It doesn't have to be people who have more experience than you. It's really just about having an outlet to, to talk about things and, and, and finding the right groups and opportunities and environments to do that, I think is so important. Yeah. I really want to lean in on, on this as a kind of a final thought for today's episode. And that is, you know, for people out there, uh, like, you know, Frazan and I happen to be, you know, partners in, in a group called Chameleon Collective, and we have a peer group, and that helps us when things get stressful. But I know there's a lot of people out there um, who sometimes are, are founders or CEOs of, of organizations that, you know, they, that they're got you know, X number of people working for them. And, and they don't necessarily, maybe even, even people like that may feel like they're alone as long as that may be. And I know there's people out there who are independent consultants who may feel alone. And I know that stress can be really overwhelming and this can feel really daunting. And that, and that could be, you know, uh, as far extreme as people who are so stressed out, they're considering things like taking their own life to people who just don't know what to do next with their business. They're panicking. And so, um, you know, I really want to stress that uh, there are a lot of groups out there that, uh, you know, it doesn't, if you feel uncomfortable talking even to your friends about some of the stress and feelings that you're having, there are a lot of web-based groups that you can just go join. And um, you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be some people that you've built, uh, you know, years long bond with just going and talking in some of these open forums, open groups can be enough. And honestly, sometimes talking to people that, aren't as close to you can be great because maybe you can feel a little bit more open. I think when people have a business or a career or something that feels like it's struggling or really going through its own shit moment, people, especially in the entrepreneur game where everyone has to say how they're quote unquote crushing it all the time. Yeah. They can feel this sense of shame that they don't want to talk about it. Or they're worried about the business not making it or they're, worried if they talk about it, their investors are going to hear about it. And somehow that may prevent them from raising money and all these crazy things that happen to you, at least to you speaking through an entrepreneur's lens, you know, and there are safe, safe places where you can have chats like that and, and, and do it even anonymously, if it helps you learn or blow off some of that tension. So go do it. If you get the opportunity, uh, you know, I, I really think this could be a good, good jumping off point for the, for the day. Uh, Frizana, thank you so much for joining us. I always, I always love chatting with you. Uh, like I said, we could have chatted for for hours more. Uh, I appreciate you putting together some data that was that was good to share for our audience today. Um, what's the best way for for people to uh, follow you if they you know want to engage with you more or learn more about you? Sure. Yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Frizana Nasser. Okay. What's what's better, Frizana Twitter or or LinkedIn these days? Either. Either works. Uh, no, I mean, what's your favorite? Oh, what, what's my favorite? I'm on LinkedIn a lot more these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going on LinkedIn these days. I'm seeing that seeing that trend. Well, thank you again for everyone who's watching our ship, whether you're watching us live or you're tuning in on VR podcast or any one of our broadcasts across YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Periscope. Uh, I think we're even on Instagram these days. Uh, you know, any place you're watching our stream, uh, really appreciate you tuning in. If you're listening, uh, great. We're thrilled you're consuming the Ship Show of the audio podcast, but check out the web show if you've never done it before. 
Thank you very much for supporting us. And the best thing you can do uh, to continue to support OSHIP is subscribe, like, or tell your friends. Bye, Frazana. Thanks again. Thanks, Freddie. And we'll see you next week on the OSHIP. The OSHIP Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie, we'll see you next time when we will once again be raising the sales for the O Ship Show.